This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me today is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. A dub. Uh, the board is not melting. I'm keeping an eye on it as we record uh, the podcast after the game. But um, look. You'll take it. You went up there. You got to win at 11 a.m. It ends up being a little sloppy on the back end in the fourth quarter. We'll break it all down. Uh, But I know I know LSU fans. I've been around them forever. Uh, Right now, they're feeling like, well, you can't just keep doing this forever. It'll burn you. You're a million percent correct. But it did not burn you today. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, basically, to, we're going to recap the game, then give our overall takeaways and just what we think can can be kind of pulled from this game uh, moving forward through SEC play. But you're right. I mean, they started off SEC uh, comp- competition with with a win on the road, and that's really all you can ask for against, against Mississippi State. And I was skeptical coming into the game. I did, wasn't sure exactly how it would play out, but because I've been wrong so many times this season, I was wrong against UCLA. I was pre- pretty much wrong against McNeese, and I was wrong last week against Central Michigan where I said – Central Michigan would give them trouble. But this week, I was right for once. And I predicted 30-26 to 26 final. I said LSU um, defense would pretty much control the game and that Mississippi State's defense would also have a really good outing and give LSU some trouble. And, you know, Mississippi State tacked on a couple late touchdowns to make it a closer game than I think it was. But still, the defenses dominated the game. And right from the start where Mississippi State's first drive they go work their way into LSU territory, and the uh, the fumble forced by Cordell Flott and Damone Clark picks it up and returns it to, I think, the 35, and then Max Johnson and company end up taking it in for seven. That kind of set the tone of the game, and I think that play specifically, I, I mean, I think it was the biggest play of the game, and it happened on the first drive. Yeah, and you look at the overall plan, too, of they went into this game and we saw it play out across the first half they were going to do the exact opposite of what Bo Pelini did against Mississippi State a year ago. They weren't going to sit in man all day. They were going to sit back, rush three, drop eight, keep everything in front of them. We talked about this all week on the site, the podcast. I mean, Coach O even made it clear in his interviews uh, this week that the goal, eye discipline, technique, being in the right spot, keeping everyone in front of you. LSU was going to come into this game and just sit back and let – Will Rogers dink and dunk around as much as they wanted to, but basically daring Mike Leach to run. And when Mike Leach ran the ball, they had some success. He just wouldn't stick with it. They would have a few runs and then, okay, let's throw it. And now Dwight Murray, excuse me, now Cordell Flott has picked you off and gotten a second turnover, which I think you look at what LSU was able to do in the first half. Yes, it was seven to three at half. You were wondering about what's going on with the offense, what's happening. They come out and get some explosive plays in the second half. We'll talk a little bit about that, but Overall, I think that the game plan coming in defensively is one where Durante Jones won, Mike Leach zero, because Leach never really adjusted to what 
would have hurt LSU, which was just trying to run the football, keep running it, keep running it, make LSU go back to four down linemen, make them come up with guys in the box. They never brought that with any real consistency. And by the time you look up, it's the fourth quarter. At the end of the third quarter, they scored for the first time. So nothing was really working well for MSU offensively uh, across those first three quarters. And that's kudos to Durante Jones's game plan. That's kudos to the defense executing. And a big shout out to the defensive backs. And I could go up and down the list. Like guys like Cam Lewis had a good game today. Mm-hmm. Not, let, not to mention McLaughlin, Ricks, all these guys. Uh, we've talked about Flot. He had two turnovers, played a part in two turnovers. He looked great, but they tackled Jay Ward's back. Major Burns had a good game. They all tackled really, really well. And that's something you've got to be able to do against a team like this that runs the air raid, especially if you're just trying to keep everything in front of you. Uh, and trying to basically say, okay, dump it off for five yards. We'll just make the stop, and you'll have to do it again and again and again. I thought it was a great strategy for LSU. I thought they executed it well. O will be pissed off. Uh, He'll be upset about how the fourth quarter played out because all of a sudden you've been gashed a couple of times, and a wheel route gets you, and a busted coverage gets you, and you're looking up and having to recover an onside kick at the end of the game just to hold on. That's not what you want. But overall, the defensive effort is what they were looking for. And I, I really couldn't believe that Mike Leach – well, I could believe it, that they didn't run the ball at all. But it was just – at the end of the day, they continued to gash LSU consistently on the ground and really set up things in their passing game off of it. But LSU was fine with it. LSU didn't care. LSU was watching that unfold, and they were like, all right, fine. We know that you don't want – whenever you play someone and you know that they don't want to do that, it just makes life easy. And so that's what we saw against Memphis, against – when when – Mississippi State played them against Louisiana Tech when they played them. Um, there was just – it's too easy. And so when you take that step up in competition, which LSU is compared to Memphis, you have to be a little bit more dynamic. You have to be a little bit more versatile. And I know this is what Mike Leach does, but, you know, Washington State and a lot of other places he's been, he might have had a little bit more superior talent. But you don't have superior talent at Mississippi State. And LSU, to give them – an easy game plan to follow like not make it difficult at all they didn't have to really change up their coverages at all it was pretty much the same thing every single play to just let the defense be comfortable consistently just really was un, un underwhelming unimpressive and if i was a mississippi state fan i'd be pretty upset right now so um oh man oh, think I, about that too lsu wins this matthew by three points in a game that they controlled for most of it and then it gets tight at the end if you're a mississippi state fan you're furious You've turned the ball over twice right out of the gates and give away points. You miss a wide open touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone. You have a terrible special teams personal foul snafu where you know you can't jump over the shield guys and you have a special teams player go and do it. When you had just gotten a stop down 11 or what it was that could have helped them swing the game. Then you get in just to the bitter end of the game where you fought yourself all the way back. You've clawed back in it. And he's burning a timeout when LSU is about to kneel out the clock and give it back to you, at least for a couple of Hail Mary chunks on a play you knew wasn't getting reversed. I think Mike Leach had a little bit of last week's referee snafus in his mind about what was happening on a special teams play at the end and whether it needed to be reviewed. And he took the final timeout off the board. It gave Mississippi State no chance at the end. It's an LSU podcast, but boy, I I don't even <laughs> – or maybe I do. I should venture over to the MSU 24-7 board I thought today. about that. Because I guarantee they're melting. Not that I think that LSU won the football game, but State shot themselves in the foot again and again. I mean, I didn't even talk about LSU's touchdowns. 
One, Trey Palmer is walking backwards from the 10-yard line because nobody covered him. And then at the end of the game, the final one, you get caught on a third and long crossing route where two guys run into each other. Hopefully the one guy's okay, but basically knocked each other out. And Cole Taylor, who is not any sort of threat in the passing game, is walking in from 40 yards out. For LSU, you love explosive plays. You aren't getting all of that every week. Like that's like the perfectly bad storm for Mississippi State. Uh, I would be so frustrated if I were a Bulldogs yeah. fan today. Yeah, and the I mean, L- Mississippi State had 205 yards in the first half. I mean, they had, and you have the two turnovers in LSU territory. No point, then, or three points, no touchdowns. Yeah, three points, no touchdowns. It was a performance that I think. Mississippi State missed, and even the touchdown to Boutte on the RPO, which I thought was great design and everything, it was still catching Mississippi State, being too aggressive, committing to the run, when I think in the first half and for a lot of the the early part of the game, Mississippi State State played LSU the right way. You want to make them try to run the ball. You want to make them try to, you know, take the short stuff underneath and not give them any explosive plays because this LSU offense is really – it's inconsistent, but if you give them the explosive plays, they're really good enough to take it and really good enough to make um, to hurt you with it. And that's what I think Mississippi State kind of – I think they got antsy and they just tried making plays on the defense side of the ball and that gave up you know, the touchdowns and they were caught in man a few times like on the Cole Taylor touchdown. And you just can't do that against this LSU team with, that has the weapons that are capable of beating you. The offensive line is probably not capable of beating you. The run game, not really but these weapons can. Yeah, and you look to, you know what you're going to get. If you need explosive plays, we've heard Orgeron say it from even before the season started when uh, I keep going back to it because I think it's so true now that he said, well, how do you settle Max in against UCLA on the road? He said, just throw it, find number one, throw it to Kayshawn. Just that will settle you in. And I think there was a point in this game where I think whenever, right after he had his second touchdown catch, he was on 23 catches on the year from eight touchdowns, which is eight's the most in, in the NCAA right now. So he is your dynamic, no doubt, playmaker. And we saw today, look, Deion Smith can have a hell of a game a week ago. He can come out today and drop a bunch of passes. You can have Brian Thomas drop a bunch of passes, come out today uh, and look like your third receiver. You know, you can have Dre Jenkins not even play and then come out uh, and make a couple good plays in this game. Uh, you get a guy like Trey Palmer who just has one target on the whole day and he scores a touchdown for you. Uh, Jack Besh kind of curiously in and out of the I went, like the lineup or was it in the game on a lot of like third downs some critical plays. I know it's all package based with whatever personnel they're in or, or kind of the feel for the game at the moment or down in distance. But he's a guy you just got to have out there almost at all times. Like if you want Cole Taylor blocking, then push put Be- uh, Besh at receiver. Uh, I think that that's kind of one thing I would point to is, uh, you want him on the field a little bit more often. But my point in saying all of that is that the one constant will be Butte. And once again, give him the ball. He'll do the rest for you. Uh, he's special, man. And, and with an offense that has no run game and the other team knows you're passing it and knows you have the best receiver in America on your team and want to give him the ball, he's, they still can't stop him. Yeah, it was uh inconsistent game from from max johnson but he did i think what he had to do i think he put the ball where it needed to go especially on those touchdown passes um especially the first one first one was the best play of the season i think on his part like that was a really good job stepping up in the pocket against pressure and delivering a strike uh to boute in the end zone so i'm i'm that was a great play yeah i'm really 
confident that he's taking steps forward. He's just not quite there yet. Look and, at Matthew um, coming around on Max Johnson. He's not quite there yet, but he's taking steps forward. That that's what I will well, say. So. Let me ask you this. How much more how much better of a quarterback or how much better would you feel about Max Johnson as your quarterback if you could actually run the football? Oh, 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 a world. Oh, so much better. So much better. But the thing is, is, is they can't run the ball. So now it's like we, he can't just, he's got to be perfect. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He can't just be okay. Right. He has to be good in a lot of situations where he shouldn't have to be good every single time, but this offense needs him to be good every single time. And I, I, the only reason I can't completely give him, you know, the bail or the benefit of the doubt is because these, I think these receivers are good enough, especially through, against the four defenses that they've played so far is that these, these receivers should be able to and are getting separation and, you know, making plays on the outside. So that helps them out a little bit. And once the, once the difficulty of competition starts stepping up, uh, he's going to have to, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders here. And that's what I'm kind of worried about, but how, how, what do you think about the offense just as a whole, you know, take away from this game, just how would you evaluate it? I said, and look, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Max than most. I thought he played well today. And look, at the end of the day, he's 3-0 and in SEC starts, two of them being road games at Florida and Mississippi State, one being a shootout with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. So whatever sort of setting you put him in in these SEC road games, he's delivered for you. Now, again, like I said, I'm, I'm someone who's high on Max. I think that he's 30th on the list of things that I would say uh, are hiccups for this team in different spots when you're saying from coaching to players to, to play calling to whatever it might be. But I said this in my quick takeaways, and I sort of still feel that way now that I've had you know an hour or so to digest it. I don't know anything more about this offense than I knew before the game started. I already knew their O-line wasn't that good. I already knew the O-line could not develop a run game. I knew how the running backs looked. I knew that the receivers are talented, but beyond Boutte, you've got a combo of young guys who can go from the high of highs a week ago to dropping balls this week. Like I get all that. I knew how Max would play. I was a bit, and I guess now it's, I'm still the same on Jake Peach because I still really don't have a great grip yet on maybe what he really wants to do, what he thinks would be the best thing for this offense because they didn't go tempo really at all today. And tempo was the one thing that made them look great a week ago. Now, are you not going tempo because you got up a little bit? You don't want to be in a shootout with state or is it, you know, does it play into knowing you're facing an air raid? Maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the offensive room and, and drawing up the game plan but I do think that moving forward if they're just not going to have a run game and really not going to try to have one I mean they they ran for 60 yards today that's yeah. two yards a carry which is their average for the year that's terrible that's awful so you're getting to the point now an SEC game in four games in a month into the season about to be in week five like how much longer can you chase the ghost of a run game before we just think and understand that this is just what LSU is going to be a team that is passing the ball a lot is passing to set up the run and maybe really just needs to find a run game in situational spots. And, and it's probably going to have to lean on this RPO even more and more uh, as time goes on, because that could be one way uh, that they are able to get uh, a little something going, but I don't know. I don't, there's nothing about the offense that I learned today that I didn't already know. I mean, the the interception Max Johnson did throw, um, and there were a couple of those shots down the field that I thought he maybe thought he could get away with because he, they worked against Central Michigan and McNeese State. Um, those are ones that I think he's going to have to learn from just to kind of wrap up my Max Johnson thought. Just he, 
he he can move the ball down the field, but you have to know your personnel and you have to know. I, I wouldn't mind a jump ball to J- Jack Besh, but in different situations, whether it's Trey Palmer or maybe a little shorter receivers, he has to just be smart in those situations and take what the defense gives him. But he, you could tell he's starting to at least be more aggressive, which he was not in the first two games. So I don't mind those plays. Um, how much are we concerned that Mississippi State is just awful? Well, I'm not sure that McNeese or Central Michigan or State are all that good. And we'll see maybe long-term how good UCLA is. LSU is really not that great, right? I mean, we know that. They have glaring issues. I think defensively we're starting to feel a little bit better about where they are, especially considered Andre Anthony is out, Derek Stingley is out. You're seeing other guys still step up. So that's a positive. And I, honestly, I think that we've seen Durante Jones grow some here in the first three to four weeks as a defensive coordinator. Today was probably – by and large, the best they've played. I know the McNeese game is shut them out or what they scored seven, but it's McNeese. This yeah. was a game where most LSU fans probably thought LSU's not going to look that great on defense. They'll end up not being able to stop the air raid again. And that was just not the case. And uh, and they stuck to their philosophy, even when State was banging out three, four, five, six yard uh, run plays. And even in the past game, little four or five yard chunks that are really just an extension of your running game. As you said, LSU didn't care. Do it. Keep doing it and doing it. Either you'll make a mistake, we'll force a fumble, we'll get a pick, whatever it might be, or you're going to go back to stubbornly throwing it and you'll eventually just have to punt the football. And uh, they missed a field goal. I mean, there was a lot of things that went wrong for them. But uh, I really thought that I think better about the defense right now moving forward, especially knowing that two of their – arguably two of their best players are just not playing anymore. And we'll see how long Stingley's out for. Uh, tougher times are ahead, but Auburn don't look like all that right now. Losing to Georgia State out there in the first half, and Georgia State just uh, scored and, again too. Yeah, they're twenty-four to twelve. And then we've got what Chattanooga was uh, nearly pulled off an upset on Kentucky. So that's the next two games, Matt. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about this defense is my first takeaway was like, okay, how much can I really pull from this performance? Because I don't know how much they're going to use, obviously, a a three-man front moving forward, right? I think it's mostly going to be a four-man front here uh, with Ed Orgeron and Durante Jones. So I was like, okay, how much can I take away from this? But then as the game continued to unfold and I continued watching it, it was – I think it showed that, A, they're a lot more comfortable in zone, which is a a big step forward, a huge step forward, especially without Stingley now. And, B, I think it just shows that they're comfortable being versatile and they're not scared – to be versatile in different ways and to play to their competition, to to do what ha- has to be done in order to win games. And I think that's a big step forward for this defense in that it's not just going to be like last year or even like this year against, you know, McNeese and Central Michigan or, and UCLA where it was like, this is our defense. This is what we're going to run. We're going to do this. And that was a thing that through three games I was concerned about. I was like, can they be versatile and how are they going to match up against these unique offenses of Mississippi State and Florida and um, – Alabama and and uh, Kentucky and whatnot. How are they going to change to the personnel of the of the offense? And that's something that I think got solved a bit tonight and that or today. It made me feel better to see them change things up because they did go four man front uh, as the game wore on and in the second half especially, and they were able to get some pressure. But I feel better knowing that maybe they can be more versatile on defense and maybe they can change up. I'll be. I still think that they are going to be a four man front team and a team that relies on you know those four guys to to get pressure most of the time 
And they've gotten home in the four-man front this year. I yep. mean, they were leading the nation in sacks. So it's uh, I'm with you. I've, I've liked the progress I've seen from Durante Jones. I still just also know that two of those games were McNeese and Central Michigan, and Central Michigan just looked awful. Their offensive attack was not what I thought it would be. So, um, look, I'll, I'll say this about two guys on defense. One had a great game, uh, and I'm looking at the stat sheet here on the side. Uh, let's see where Cordell finished at uh, eight, eight tackles. Yeah. An interception, a forced fumble. He looked great in the nickel. Uh, yeah. You don't have to worry about sliding him outside because McLaughlin's back and, uh, and playing opposite Eli Rick. So he gets to be in that nickel role. I think Flots just had a great season. I mean, it can maybe be argued that he's been their best DB. So far. I was about to say that um, I was just about to say that. Let's see here. Uh, the team leader in tackles today. And I'll ask you this because you just got here and and you don't have like a lot of the fans or at least people on our board is this predisp you know this predisposition that Damone Clark isn't good at football and shouldn't be out there. Fifteen tackles today. He's now led LSU yeah. in tackles every week. He is the middle linebacker, the starter, so you're often right. going to have the most tackles. But afterwards, Orgeron, without no one said, "Hey, did you think Damone Clark looked like an NFL linebacker?" He just came out and said. He made some NFL level plays out there today, and that's how much he's grown his game. Are you seeing? Does the Damone Clark you see out there right now match what you see? You know, um, message boards yeah. and the radio of people who just don't even think he needs to be playing. Coach O has been the main supporter, super high on him. But yeah, the whole the whole year, even the first two games where I thought he didn't play that well, and uh, nobody thought he played very well. Um, he was just very high on Damone Clark. And I think the Central Mission game, I've, re- I've wrote about this a lot and everything I've re- basically wrote the past week. He looked really good in the Central Mission game. And I thought that was a big step forward for this team was that him and Michael Baskerville looked more comfortable. They were flying around in coverage. They looked better. And I think that's an area where this defense can continue to improve and continue to take steps forward, along with safety, getting Jay Ward back, of course. But I think Damone Clark, the past two games, I don't have a lot of, you know, things to be mad at him about i think he has been aggressive he has hit the holes he's filled his gaps he's been smart he's been in position and that's really all i asked for i know i'm not expecting him to go out there and be a um, a star linebacker an all sec linebacker i'm expecting him to be a quality player who is in position and a veteran at this point so i was impressed i liked it i i don't have too much bad things to say about Damone clark let it be on the record that Maddie B has come through with praise for Max Johnson, with praise for Damone Clark. Uh, this was a good football game then for LSU. I, I know. I, I'm just leaving this game just uh, raving about everybody on a three-point win against Mississippi State, even though I just yes, don't think Mississippi State is any good here. Um, um, but well, look here. I guess as, as as we wrap up, I had one more thought. What was I about to say before I had to joke on you about that? Um, uh, what were we – I don't know. I was going somewhere with it, Maddie B. All I was going to say is, oh, I, mean, I know. The biggest question of the game was catch or not a catch for Jack Besh. Oh, he tweeted this too. He tweeted this, man. He uh, wants a public opinion on it. Okay, we, I, we need to check out those results then. So he definitely got it off the ground when the ball was 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 the first thrown. Right, he taps it up. And then it comes back on the other side. And this is where they couldn't get a, a clear angle of it to where when he gets the ball and it comes down, you know, does he lose it? Does it hit the ground and all this stuff? Does the defender punch it out? I, I, I don't think he caught it. 
I don't think he caught it. I think it, I don't think he had possession like as it was coming down and it like hit the ground. I think it hit What's the ground. What's wild pretty- then is that you believe maybe that it never hit the ground the first time and that he actually had his fingers under that ball, popped it up to himself. Yep. And somehow well, made the snap. Well, it can, it can because hit- when you saw it live, it looked like Max had thrown it four yards short of him and yeah. then it like skipped into his body. And then he's getting up like, no, I caught it. The, Which well, is like, you know, your typical wide receiver move. Yeah. I caught have, it, no I, doubt. Review it. I don't uh, even have anything to like use as a prop. But like when the ball came down and like his hand was like on the ground, so it just naturally just popped back up. And then he came back and I think he lost. I think the defender kind of punched it out of his hands too. But uh, Jack Besh, uh, I think two receptions for 13 yards. I mean, I knew he wasn't going to every that single ain't game. enough. Yeah, I knew every game he wasn't going to have like five receptions for 80 yards or whatever, but still that that's a guy who needs to get the ball in a lot more situations. Yeah, three, three targets. That'd be on the low end of guys who were targeted in this game. So that's crazy. Like him and Dre Jenkins had the same number of targets, which yeah. a week ago they were deciding they weren't even going to play Dre Jenkins. So yeah, I don't know. It was good to see Armani Goodwin back too. Just to kind of He's got level. some burst. He's got yeah. some burst to him. And uh, we do know too that Corey Connor is fine after attempting the holy grail of running back moves. Spin move, stiff arm, hurdle, all in the same play. No, Unfortunately, no it did not go well at the end for him. Corey. But uh, he's. they said he's fine after the game. I saw him tweeting after the game that Corey, they please. won and excited. But, boy. Please, Corey, please. You don't have to hurdle people. I promise we'll think just the same of you if you don't try to hurdle people. The spin was fine. The stiff arm is cool. And then he out of out of balance too. He's right next to the side. It's not like he well, that was a thing or anything. Two people were already pushing him out of bounds, and he was going to just hurdle both of them. And then he stays down. I'm like, Corey, please, geez, just 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 take, get out of bounds, please. We need you. The run game is hurt enough as it is. Just just stay healthy here. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. That's I think that's all we got. Unless you have something else here. No, nah, um, I'm good. Yeah, like you said, they hey three point win. Go up to Starkville. You didn't have it, and that's the other thing. It's not a three-point win, and it was 56 to 53. I mean, they played well on defense. They they stuck to their game plan. You want to clean it up more in the fourth quarter. You, you know, you wish you would have put more points up, but they didn't run tempo. So it was one of those things where because they had a bunch of explosive plays and the rest of the time they couldn't sustain drives, you walk out with just 28 points. But hey, today it's enough. Yep. It was enough today. And not to look ahead. I don't want to look ahead, but you know, UAB and Kentucky next two games, um, both teams who, um, or at least UAB Auburn struggling today, Kentucky struggling last week. We'll see how Kentucky does against South Carolina this coming week. So, you know, some room for optimism for LSU fans uh, watching or listening to this podcast. If you are watching this podcast on YouTube, feel free to subscribe, leave a comment, leave a like, send it to a friend. We appreciate y'all support on that platform as we continue to grow. And on the podcast side, Spotify, Apple, all the, anywhere you get your podcasts. Now also check us out on Twitter at MingGreen247. Our Twitter handles are right here. And yeah, thank you for joining us. And that lets you know that Matthew is deep in North Texas because he just dropped a Mean Green 24-7 as the handle without oh, even realizing it. <laughs> go go 247. Follow us on go yeah, 247. This, we, we've brought uh, Matthew out of Denton, but we can't keep – he's not fully removed yet. Yeah, my, I Don't have, worry. It was it was Billy doing this with SMU before, so we're yeah, all good. Yeah, there you go. There you go. No, I just have too many podcasts going on in my head right now. The start of the podcast, the end of the podcast, just 
All but everything good. in between is good. So that's all that matters. There we go. <laughs> but thank y'all for joining us. And we'll talk to y'all later. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com.